to the book of Acts. What book did I say? Acts. I can hear you. I'm right there with you in your living room, in your bedroom. Let's go. Acts chapter 1. And we're going to go, uh, we're going to read from verse 6. Acts chapter 1. And I want to read from verse 6. Very powerful passage of scripture. And as we're getting ready to gear up for this Easter season, and not only this, but even as we are in the midst of this challenging time that we currently are facing, this is the perfect opportunity for us to look at making some bold moves. And so the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 6 says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, disciple speaking to Jesus, says, Lord, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version if you're following along. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And then this is our focus verse. Uh, verse 8 declares and says, but you will receive power. Come on, right where you are, say power. And some of you need to go ahead and put that in the comments. Say power. You will receive power power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses somebody else come on where you are say witnesses you will be my witnesses where in Ju Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth to the ends of the earth listen this is such a powerful passage of scripture uh, for the past few weeks not only have we been in this bold move series but we've also been looking at the uh, the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives and what it looks like to walk uh, in what the Holy Spirit has provision for us as believers and I believe that especially in this season as we as a globe are facing this pandemic this COVID-19 pandemic that more than ever we need to be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So listen, I never forget about a decade ago before I got into ministry full time, I was working in a selling cell phones. I was working selling cell phones and, you know, and this was my day job. This is what I did. I worked long hours and served a lot of people in this capacity. And because of the call on my life, right? It was just one of those things where I always was looking for an opportunity to be able to tell somebody about Jesus. And so, you know, after some time had gone by, there were some co-workers that I became friendly with and we began to build a, a relationship, a friendship there. And, you know, it got to the point where I got the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And so as I'm there and I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with them, I'm telling them, about Jesus and you know they had they had not made a decision for Christ and so they they're right there in the cell phone store after hearing that Jesus loved them that he came that he died for their sins that he rose from death they're like yo fam I want this and so they decided to respond right to by putting trust and faith in Jesus they responded to his love by putting trust and faith in him and so I was so excited that I went out and I bought them I'll never get I bought them some Bibles you know and I have my Bible here and it has my name engraved on the front of it and I decided I was like man I want to get them one of those because I was so excited that they had gotten saved I got their names engraved on the Bibles and you know and I gave it to them as a present 
and they were excited. They were overjoyed. And it just so happened. And ironically, we're getting ready to pull up on Easter. <laughs> and when this was happening many, many years ago, uh, we also were getting ready to pull up on Easter. And so I'm like, yo, fam, y'all ought to come with me. Come with me to church. You got to come. You got to come and experience this. It is going to be dope. For those of you who don't know, you know, Easter, in most cases, is the Super Bowl of Christianity. That's where, you know, the pink suits come out. Y'all don't know anything about those pink suits. And gator boots and all sorts of stuff. And people who never darken the doorway of a church building, that is the time when they usually are decided that it's time to come to church. And the thing is, right, the thing is, that, you know, that, of course, we love it and we love when people come to church on Easter and we have a grand time. So I was so excited. I'm like, I cannot wait for my friends to be able to come out. I cannot wait for them to experience what I love because I loved the church that I was going to. I loved it. We had the most grand time ever when it was that we gathered so much fun. So listen, I'm like, Come on out. So they're like, yeah, we're going to come. And they came and, and, and uh, brought their kids. And it was just one of those times where we were, we were just excited. So church came. Easter Sunday came. And I am like, we, we had the best time ever. I mean, if you grew up in church, you know, especially when they talk about, oh, the power of God was in the building. You know, for those of you who may be churchy or grew up especially in the charismatic expression of church, the power of God hit the place. Or the anointing of God hit the place. I mean, we were wrecked beyond belief. We were running. We were taking laps. You know, I took about 75 of them around the environment that we were in. You know, we were, we, that's when you bring out the best tongues. You know, you bring out the best tongues. You start with, the, you invent and you create new tongues. If your tongue was just, ta -da 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 -da, you add, you add. You're on now. Now you're going to add a, you know, you add a new tongue. It's like Easter is the time. For the new tongues. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, so not only did, so we had a super time. People, we were, we were flipping pews. We were going off. Woo, it was a blast. And I'll never forget. I mean, you know, we had an altar service and it was, it was, it was just nuts. Sister Surly was, was swinging from the chandelier, you know, and it was, that was one of those Sundays, right? And so at the end, because we're excited, we're stoked that Jesus got up. From the grave. And so in that moment, I'm like, I'll never forget. Service was done. And I went to go and find my friends. So I went after church. And I ran up to them. And I saw them. And when I was approaching them, I was shocked because I looked at them and it looked like they, they saw a ghost. And I'm like, what's the matter? And so they're, they're looking at me. And their, their eyes are kind of going left and right. And it's almost as if they are just trying to figure out, panning to find out where is the door. And so in that moment, they were petrified. They grabbed their kids and then they jitted out the door. And it was nuts to me because I, I, I was so excited for my friends to come. And then when I spoke to them after, I said, how did, you, how did you like it? And they were like, what on earth was that? They had no clue what was going on 
and they were freaked out of their minds. And in that moment, it really challenged me. And this is where I'm going with it. It really challenged me. It's not that, you know, I love dancing. I still love dancing in church. I still love, you know, jumping and running and getting excited. And I think the world needs to see the church excited about our good God. However, in that moment, in that environment that was designed for me to be able to bring my friends who don't know Jesus to come to the church, I, was, I realized that there was an issue, that I was excited as a believer, but the people who I was bringing, the people who I was bringing were in a place where there was a disconnect. And so there was, there, it, was, it was feeding my soul, but it was not positioned to evangelize those who had no church experience. And so it really challenged me because when I, I, I begun thinking about this and as we're talking about bold moves and we're talking about being in a place last week, we really focused on being to a place where we talked about the, the prodigal son and even God, how he exemplified some prodigal behavior in his reckless love. And we talked about the brother of the prodigal son who, you know, was, who didn't have the heart of the father, that was not willing to welcome, he was not willing to welcome the son home from being in a, in a, in a place where he was out squandering and doing crazy stuff. You know, he instead was concerned about himself. And he's like, God, he's like, Father, in Luke 15, towards the end of the chapter, he's like, Father, look at all this. You, I've done X, Y, and Z, and you have never done X, Y, and Z for me. He was in a selfish place. As opposed to having the heart of the father, which was positioned to be able to reach out and to welcome people home. And it started challenging me because I'm like, if I can't bring my friends to church and they get a clear understanding of what's happening, right? Then there is a problem and there is an issue. And this is the thing, because lots of us, you're like, you already turned me, tuned me out. And you're like, no, it's not about unbelievers. And it's not about, we still have to have our church. And doc, I got to have my church. And oh, I love it. And, the whole, and it's like, we often are so vain. This is where I'm going. And, 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 and the thing is, we've oftentimes, watch this, God is calling us, especially in this season, which the fields are ripe unto harvest, when people are wondering what on earth is going on and what is going to happen to us with all of this COVID-19 stuff. We've got to get to the place where we remove ourselves from a position of vanity and selfishness and we start asking questions like, what can we do? To serve and love on our neighbors. And so in this moment, in this moment I was challenged because, you know, because we, 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 we often think that the Holy Spirit, because remember we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and if you need to get caught up, go ahead right on our YouTube channel. First of all, you should subscribe. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. But we also got the different parts of this series that are dealing with the, the Holy Spirit and, and what it means to embrace and walk in the Holy Spirit. And the challenge is that sometimes we've got to be bold. The bold move we've got to make is bold moves out of selfishness. And we got to get to the place where our hearts begin to be tuned to what it is that God's desire for us is. The Holy Spirit does not just come to make you excited and to give you a titillated experience and make you happy. Come on, somebody. And to make you joyful. That joy and that excitement that you have. The Holy Spirit is supposed to come to us. Watch what the text says here. 
Now the disciples, just for context, they are waiting here at the command of Jesus. Jesus tells them to wait until the promise of the Holy Spirit comes. And they, there's some ambiguity around what it is that they are, are thinking that Jesus is getting ready to do through sending the Holy Spirit. And so they're asking, they're saying, you know, in verse 6, when they came together, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he's saying, no, it's not for you to know times and seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. There are many of you in this time, and I, I believe this is relevant even in the sense that we oftentimes are trying to pick apart and figure out what God's plan and his timeline is. And sometimes we jump the gun and we attempt to try and figure God out when he is omniscient, meaning he knows all things. And they're in this position where they're trying to get it all. And they're like, is this going to be X, Y, and Z that's going to happen? And he's saying, no, don't worry about this stuff. He goes on and he says in verse 8, but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you so this promise of the holy spirit with it was a promise of power everybody say power in fact in the comment section go ahead and type power 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 come on type power i want to see some more of you typing power in the comment section because the bible makes it clear that the holy spirit was coming to give us power and now is it power to be able to say oh is it power about the, is it all about that is it about quickening as we would call it in the church is it power so we can is it is it about that or or what is it that he's saying in the text he says although those things are great he says you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Somebody in the comments write witnesses. You are called and we are called and Jesus was sending his Holy Spirit not so we could just have a titillated experience and look in the mirror and look and talk about how cool we are and how sanctified we are. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? How sanctified and how holy we are. But he, he calls us and he gives us of his spirit and this promise comes so that we could be witnesses and look what he says in dealing with the context that he was in immediately he says that you would be a witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and then watch this now this is where we're included it says and to the ends of the earth Ah, to the ends of the earth this promise started with them and their immediate circle of influence and the regions that were surrounding and the areas that were surrounding but it ex extended and it ricocheted down the corridors of time as a promise to you and I come on that although our experience although we weren't in that room tarrying with the original disciples although we weren't there with all of them while they were there and they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come now that the Holy Spirit has been poured out as promised as we see it coming to pass in Acts chapter 2 the promise that comes to us all these years later is that we too would receive power to be witnesses and so the reason why I brought that story up is because and I'm talking to myself I'm not condemning the church that I was a part of at that time but I'm just talking about it because I believe that even though our experiences might look different you may not have come to a charism from a charismatic church if you did have a church experience charismatic experience may not be your experience it might be a place where you value a certain type of bible 
might be where you or, or translation of the bible and you idolize a certain translation of the bible it might be where you idolize a certain dress code and so you can i'll never forget a woman came and she was in a place where she was in tears and we were talking about it and she was saying that her that her uh, daughter had come to a church had gone to a church that she was a part of previously and she said that her daughter came in her daughter's not a believer and her daughter was compelled to come to the altar when they made a call for people to come who needed prayer and her daughter came to the altar and she was standing there and she was decked out in jewelry and and she was you know her skirt was a little high and and her shirt was a little low and 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 she was off in the corner with her hands lifted crying bawling booing out for God and she was telling me the story weeping she's like all she, they went and they prayed for everyone at the altar but they no one ever came and said anything to my daughter and I'm telling you, as she was telling me that story, it just broke my heart. It broke my heart because if the church is not for the, the misfits, if the church is not for people who don't fit the norm in our, in our, in our context, I think the then, then who are we attempting to reach? The church is often practicing idolatry, our method, our, 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 the things that we value. And sometimes these things are hindering us from being witnesses and and especially with churches that are claiming to have the holy spirit if you are claiming to have the holy spirit but no witnessing is happening no people's lives people who don't know i'm not talking about recycling people i'm not talking about people playing musical churches come on somebody but i'm talking about people actually coming and hearing the gospel of jesus come on and hearing about his love and experiencing his reckless love and his life-changing love and coming to a place where they repent and they open themselves up and they respond to this love by saying what must i do to be saved and we give them what they came for if that's not what's happening then it's all about vanity the holy spirit did not come to make you vain the Holy Spirit did not come to get us to the place where we say, look how cool we are. The Holy Spirit did not come to assist you and empower you to build religious idols. The Holy Spirit comes, watch this, to empower us and open us up to be witnesses. Even in this time, this time where there's such uncertainty and especially in this time i hear jesus declaring and saying the harvest is plenty but the laborers are few is it that there aren't a lot of churches no it's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of churches some cities you go to i used to live in a place where there were literally church buildings on every corner church buildings everywhere is it that there aren't people out there no there are people out there and there are people in all sorts of places come on somebody but there are not a lot of people in this time that have the heart of the father and so i'm calling out to you come on it's time for us to make the bold moves and really do some introspection especially the church is in a frenzy right now in many regards trying to figure out what to do this is a great and a grand opportunity for us to show the love of God to people who are beyond the walls of the church this is a perfect witnessing opportunity for us to give people hope that is beyond the building hope that is beyond the security of a job hope that is beyond the security of health hope that extends beyond this earth into eternity come on somebody this is the time 
when we ought to seize this moment to give people hope and be hope dealers. In fact, go ahead in the comment section and put, I'm a hope dealer. If you're someone that knows that God is calling you to be a hope dealer. So he says that the Holy Spirit will come and will give us power so that we could be witnesses. So that we could be witnesses. I love this. It's all about us being to the place where we are witnesses. No, I'm not telling you that your works are going to save you. No, your works don't save you. I'm not telling you that now you got to go out like certain people and knock on doors and tell everybody the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm not telling you that there's some bunch of check marks you got to tick off in order to be saved. It's not anything like that. You and I are saved by grace through faith. The Bible makes that clear throughout scripture from the beginning to the ending. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, you are saved by putting trust and faith in Jesus. And there are some of you who are champions for holiness or hell. That is an unbiblical doctrine. We are not saved by the good deeds that we do. You who's watching and who may believe this, tell me, how many good deeds do you need to do to earn salvation? How many bad deeds disqualify you from salvation? This is not the way it works. Jesus died. This is the gospel. The good news is that Jesus came. He lived perfectly on our behalf. He died in our place for our sins. And he rose from death with all power. And watch this. Extends everything that his life on earth earned towards us free as a gift. And we receive it. And watch this. We previously were wrong with God. But now if we would just accept Christ and respond to what he has done. This reckless love by receiving and putting trust in him alone. We can have eternal life. We are now justified by our faith in God. Made right with God. We, are now, we now can have relationship with God and our eternity is secure. So that is decided by us putting trust and faith in Jesus alone. However, so then somebody you might be asking and saying, well then what does my works have to do with it? What does my works have to do with this? Well, I want, you to I want to encourage you around this. The reason why you've been justified, the reason why Jesus saved you and he saved me, talking about being witnesses, is so that we could be witnesses of his. Bible says in John 15, verse 15 and 16, look at what he says here in the text. Jesus declares and he says, you did not choose me. But I chose you. That sounds good, doesn't it? We didn't choose him, but he chose us. That's powerful. But look, we usually stop there and we're like, oh man, I'm chosen. How wonderful is that? What a grand thing. I'm so glad that I am chosen. But look at what he says. So our works don't save us, but he says, I chose you and appointed you that you, watch this, should go and bear fruit. Somebody in the comments type fruit. Come on. You should bear fruit, fruit, fruit. Come on. He says, I chose you and ordained you that you should bear fruit. And watch this. And that your fruit should abide. 
In other words, he didn't save you for you to just talk about how sanctified you are. He did not save you and choose you so you could have a grand and a titillated experience and talk about, oh, the Holy Ghost. Fed. No, he did not choose you for this. He brought, he chose you so that you could bear fruit, so that you could be individuals that bear fruit and fruit so much so that your fruit should remain. So there are things that are to be the outgrowth of your life. This chapter in John 15 talks about us abiding in Christ. So if you are in relationship with him, you have of his spirit. And watch this. There is fruit that's supposed to come out of your life consequently. Now this fruit, mind you, it's not the other way around. We don't do the fruit to have relationship with Jesus. No, we start the relationship with Christ by putting trust and faith in him. And then this is where the fruit is born out of our lives. And people are impacted and people witness and see this fruit in our lives. This is powerful. I love this. I love this. Look at, look at what Paul says. Look at what Paul says in Philippians. What book did I say? Philippians. We're looking at Philippians chapter 2. For those who are new to Bibles, Philippians is in the second half of the Bible. Philippians chapter 2, the apostle Paul says in verse 12, track with me, he says, therefore my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation, watch this, with fear and trembling and then verse 13 says for it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure and so notice this he says when I'm around don't just do good stuff when I'm around he's telling the church at Philippi but he says even in my absence work out your salvation with fear and trembling so the situation is a little bit different than when he's around right and I love this because right now a lot of you your leadership your spiritual leadership is not around we're in a, a season of quarantine and we have to stay home and we can only be in some places 10 or less for some places you can't even be around people and he's making it clear and he's saying that we've got to be in a place where he's telling the church at Philippi, he says, not just when he is around, but even when he is not around, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? I mean, preacher, you just told me, you just told me, Pastor Andrew, that you, that we are not going to work to get saved. So what is he talking about? He's not talking about being justified. He's not talking about establishing a relationship or being saved now through trust and faith in Jesus. This aspect of our salvation that he's talking about is what we would know. And it's a fancy word. I want you to get this with me. It's called sanctification. Sanctification. In other words, God is making us holy. Watch this. From the inside out. The salvation that we have on the inside, he spends over the course of our life working it from the inside out and so the salvation that you have ought to be seen over time on the outside it ought to be seen in our works it ought to be seen in our actions it ought to be the, the things that that we used to do over time we don't desire to do them anymore because there's transformation that happens when you get saved. And so this, this sanctification happens through the partnership of us as believers in partnership with God. This is why in verse 13, he says in, in our Philippians chapter 2, he says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work 
for his good pleasure. So it happens through partnership with us and the Holy Spirit, with God. As we work together, God is able, as we yield and give up more areas of our lives and ourselves to the Lord, make bold moves in the right direction, the Holy Spirit continues to sanctify us and empower us. So this salvation that's on the inside begins to work to the outside. So you see what I'm saying? So works don't save us. But works, works, good works, and transformative works are evidence, right? Are evidence that we have been saved on the outside. This is why we've been chosen. This is why we've been saved. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to stay with me. Stay with me for these next few moments. And so, so this, is, this is what has, takes place. So I want to give you point number one. Here's point number one for you, and I want you to put this in the comments if you're following along. I hope you have your Bible. I hope you're taking notes. Here it is. Point number one, works don't save, but they are indicative of our salvation. Come on. Works don't save, but they are indicative of our salvation. In other words, if you have been saved, right, your works are going to show that there has been transformation on the inside. No, it doesn't mean that, you know, today you were one way and tomorrow you're not going to do things anymore. For some people, that is their experience. But for the vast majority of people, I'm a witness, if I can just be honest, I got saved and I started reading my scriptures and I started in prayer and all of this wonderful stuff and I had a lust issue before I came to Christ. I mean, I was into pornography and it was a difficult thing and I got save and watch this God broke mental bondage off of me I had severe panic attacks I couldn't drive in a car for more than 15 minutes if you heard my testimony uh, previously you know about it but it I couldn't drive in a car for more than 15 minutes without my whole body shaking and I had to get out and plant myself on the side of the road because of a side effect from uh, some laced weed that I had smoked when I was when I was uh, 15 or 16 years old and so it was crazy when I got saved that broke off of me. They had tried to put me on meds. It was ridiculous. But that broke off of me immediately. But that lust, child, woo, that lust, it took a while. That pornography, if I could just, maybe I'm not the only person that's witnessing. That pornography, it took a little bit of time, fam. It took a couple years, come on, for me to be able, for that thing to loose from off of me. It was a difficult thing. And so I'm not saying that overnight everything changes, right? But I'm saying there ought to be evidence in your life that there is a transformative work that has happened on the inside. I hear the Bible declare and say, if any man be in Christ, he is a new spiritual creation. Watch this. All things are passed away and all things become new. So if there's something that's happened on the inside, it ought to be showing on the outside. And these are the works that God, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. Just stay with me. I'm going to tell you why in a second. Because as I told you, they are indicative of our salvation. I love the Apostle John because he actually says it a little more blatantly in 1 John, uh, in 1 John chapter 3. If I could just teach for a second, watch what he says here. Um, chapter 3, verse 9. And depending on the translation you have, it might render it a little differently. But I love the way the ESV puts it out. This translation, I believe, gives us a great understanding of his heart behind it and so watch this uh, verse 9 says no one born of God watch this makes a practice of sinning so born of God meaning born again made new if you are a believer watch this he says no one born of God makes a practice 
of sinning for God's seed abides in him remember I told you about John 15 it just goes in line especially since John was John wrote <laughs> the, the book the gospel of John these are similar sentiments he talks about abiding in Christ right but he's saying God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God there is stuff and for those of you who are new to this walk of faith and this journey of faith you're gonna find that over time there's stuff that you don't like no more I wonder if I have any witnesses there's stuff that you you're gonna go and try to do it and it's gonna be unsuccessful come on you're gonna try to do stuff and you're gonna be like oh and you're gonna want to throw up where previously you enjoyed it and maybe I'm the only person that used to love it there's stuff I used to love that I don't love no more come on that it makes me sick to my stomach and even though I used to like those things now because the seed of God is in me there's stuff that I cannot do anymore can't make a practice of it cannot go on doing it without having any form of repentance or anything of this nature and for those for you who feels like you know who just got saved and you're like man why do I feel this way that's the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit now that's in you convicts you and starts to bring you to a place where the stuff that you used to have an appetite for you no longer desire it and and and, and through the power of God you can it will cause for these works to be manifest in your life but look at what he says verse 10 by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so here in the text, he makes it clear. He's like, if you're not walking or desirous of walking in a place of righteousness, no, he's not talking about perfection. Notice he uses the word practices. In other words, you are in a position where you are now, you have, uh, you have forsaken sin, you have forsaken unrighteousness, and you are headed in the right direction. Does this mean you're not going to mess up? No. So it's not talking about messing up it's not talking about making mistakes but you but 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 the person who is like i'm saved i'm just gonna do whatever i don't care i'm going to heaven i'm saved now so i'm just gonna do that is not that is not the one that is a child of god but there's someone who who's watching me who you're like you know what i have a sincerity in my heart i am running after god with everything i've got and every now and again i trip and i fall but i get back up again i'm here to tell you the fact that you even have a desire to get back up the fact that you even have the strength to get back up can i just minister to somebody right now is indicative of the fact that the holy spirit of god is in you and i'm here to tell you as long as you get up more times than you fallen down everything is gonna be all right come on as long as there's breath in your lungs you still have the chance to get up and walk out what God has called you to and so the desire is there and the sincerity is there so he's not talking about you he's talking about the person who is completely opposing to God because a tree is known by its fruit right so 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 the Bible makes it clear works don't save right but they are indicative of our salvation as we see in in uh, in first John chapter 3 verse verse uh, 7 through 10 but then not only this why do we do good works as we've been talking about this and we started in talking about witnessing why do we do good works we do good works watch this because here it is point number two for you it will be on the screens our works are our witness here it is our works 
are our witness. The fact of the matter is that God has called us, he chose us to bear fruit, to bear fruit, to do things that will demonstrate his love to the world. Here it is again. It's not, see look, the works that we bring forth are not for you to brag about how good you are. It's not for you to boast. It's not like, okay, I can't boast because my works didn't save me, but now I can boast in the works that I do after I've been saved. No, you and I never have a right to boast because even the good works that we bring forth they should be for God's glory here it is this is a scripture for you and this this will tell you why we bring forth uh, good works and it goes in line with Acts chapter 1 verse 8 uh, Matthew 5 16 he makes it clear especially in this dark time those of you who are feeling like reverting and feeling like doing stuff during this time where we're facing COVID-19 I want you to understand this especially is the time for us to be on our guard because we are called to be a witness and let our light shine Matthew 5 16 says watch this let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works Somebody in the comments put good works, good works, your good works and glorify God which is in heaven. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify, give glory to your father that is in heaven. This is the purpose for you bearing fruit so that people can look at you, especially in the midst of this dark time when we're tripping and they're looking for hope. They can look at you and say, oh my, there's something different about them. They're not responding to this thing the same way that the world is. They're not, they're not acting frantically they're not losing their mind they're not wilding out when stuff is going on what is different about them and you and I are able to tell them and use that as an altar call and an opportunity to point them to how good our God is and how we would be nothing if it was not for his grace and his mercy and his Holy Spirit and so our works are our witness Come on, somebody in the comments say, my works are my witness. My works are my witness. I know that we're not in the church building, but this is the opportunity. How are you witnessing in this season? What does witness look like? That's how you know many of us. This is why I'm talking about making bold moves. This bold move that you might have to make is trying to figure out what does it look like? Is the witnessing that you do only confined to a building on Sunday morning church? Come on, this is our time. What does it look like? And I'm not giving you a black and white answer. I'm not telling you what it is. I believe that even now, the same Holy Spirit that was with the disciples in, the, in, in Acts chapter 1 is releasing unto the body of Christ innovation. Come on, innovation and creativity and understanding and knowledge that is necessary for us to be able to take this same gospel to the whole world, even in this time when we are locked out of the building. There are things that we can utilize. How are you using the things that you have? How can you use what you have? Instead of focusing on what we don't have, how can we be witnesses in this time? I, I, I dare you to pray. I dare you to ask God to show you ways to witness in this season. I dare you to just open your heart and say, God, use me in this time. Use me to show love in this time. Use me to show breakthrough in this time. Use me to bring deliverance to folk in this time. Use me to be a light to my neighbors and my neighborhood. Even if it's me picking up the phone and showing love in this time. Use me, God. I believe God is releasing it 
releasing ways that we can be witness in this time because it's the same holy spirit that was there in the book of acts that's available to us today come on somebody and so look lastly lastly they're talking about witnessing so look yes our works don't save us but they are indicative of our salvation and yes our works are our witness right and this is why we bring forth witness so that people can taste and see that the lord is good but talking about making bold moves right number three i want you to look at this we are justified by our faith but our faith is legitimized by our works let me say this again let me say this again we are justified by our faith but our faith is legitimized in other words it's made legit by our works in other words you can talk the talk we live in a generation where it's all about talk and people can especially in a digital age like where we are right now people can hide behind screens and they can hide behind keyboards and they can hide behind thumbs and say all sorts of stuff but how many of you know that you can't always trust what you are hearing and what you are hearing people say come on because the fact of the matter is that until you see some actions some actions along with that declaration those words are empty here it is here it is i love this in james chapter 2 i want to look at james chapter 2 and i want to look at james chapter 1 and then i'm done james chapter 2 and we're looking at verse 14 through 18 he says he says and watch this especially in this time where there are so many people in need during this time says what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith and James is believed this James is believed to be the brother of Jesus and he's the guy that's just you know he's just about it about it he's like yo I hear all y'all talking I hear all this fam I hear all this but he's like there he wants them the the commentators believe he's trying to challenge the, he's trying to challenge the audience to become mature in their faith especially in times of tribulation that's why he starts out the book by talking about counting it joy when we enter into trials of various kinds sort of like what we're facing right now he wants us to go to maturity from just having faith declaring faith to working it out watch this in verse 14 through 18 he says in, in chapter 2, what good is it, my brothers, if someone said he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And that's why he says, he says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. He's saying that there are many people who are just talking about how they have faith. Come on, church. Uh, you talk about it when we're in the building and we, we talk about how we have faith and, and how we have love in this God. We love this God. And he says, what good is it if you say to the naked person, God bless you, go in peace, and go and serve the Lord. And then they go out and they're still naked. The faith that you declared, the faith that you put out there is not going to do anything. And this is the challenge to myself and to the body of Christ and to those of you who are watching who profess to have faith are you demonstrating it is it alive 
or is it void are you praying for folk come on it comes a time where people don't need your prayers as much as they need your assistance yeah you need to pray but pray and help come on they don't need you it's sometimes where you're out there laying hands on folk and they don't need you to just lay hands they need you to lay hands and they need you to help them up come on somebody we got to get to the place where we go beyond because i'm telling you it's folks that are listening to us preach but their bellies are grumbling and it's like we have the assignment not just to declare faith and not to just to have all this power. Power, power, wonder working power in the blood. Oh, and we're singing and we get so excited about this power and we're doing nothing with it. Jesus has not given you power just so you can look cute and declare about how faith filled you are when there are people in our world who are in need of our assistance church. Come on. He has not given you and blessed you and made you highly favored so you could put it on a bumper sticker and put it on your mirror and look at it every day and talk about how awesome you are but he has blessed you and made you highly favored and given you harvest off of the seeds that you and I have planted come on somebody so that we could go beyond ourselves and get out the mirror like my friend Robert Trice says get out the mirror and start looking out the window to find out ways that we can impact people so my question to you is is your faith legitimized by your works or is it just this is it just lip service i want to look at james chapter 1 verse 27 and this is going to poop somebody's party but i want to encourage you in regards to this because this is something that we declare amongst the body of christ that is not legit and it's not biblical watch what is said here and in fact I want to read verse 26 says if anyone thinks he is religious everybody say religious if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue or control his tongue but deceives his heart that person's religion one more time say religion is worthless and now watch this verse 27 religion that is pure and undefiled before God the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction in other words those who are in need and to keep oneself unstained from the world but i thought it wasn't about religion i thought it's all about relationship oh y'all don't like this i know you're not gonna like this at all especially for oh it's not about religion it's all about relationship yes it is about relationship but and but the fact is watch this it's not about bad religion but there are things that you and i ought to do religiously come on some works that we ought to exemplify i'm in the bible there's religion that is pure and undefiled before god and what is that says to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world so all religion is not bad i know that poops some of y'all's party it's not about religion it's about relationship yes it's about relationship and yes religion doesn't save you but there is still supposed to be some things that you do religiously come on to demonstrate that you have the lord on the inside and that the faith that you have is valid taking care of those who are in need i'm checking myself 
But not only this, being to the place where, watch this, he says that you and I are, uh, that you and I are unstained from the world. Now, mind you, this is not what most people think, that we don't get dirty, that we are not to go and touch people, that we're not to be around people. That's not what he's talking about. But he's saying that we are not influenced, come on, by the world, by the selfishness of the world, that we're not living our lives like the world lives to try and just benefit themselves always about what's in it for me remember Jesus makes it clear that the fulfillment of the law is love for God and love for those who are around us and so I want to encourage you I want to challenge you and I want to challenge myself how are we going to be witnesses in this time this coronavirus is reckless this coronavirus is going nuts in this time but what does it look like for us to be witnesses what does it look like for us to work out our salvation? How can you be on mission in this time? How can you utilize the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and use these works to be a blessing to others? How can you and I practice pure and undefiled religion? Not to save us, but how can we help those who are in need in our circle of influence? And how can we be in a position where we are loving on everyone who is around us in these times of difficulty. And so that's my challenge to you. That's my challenge to you is that we're to be on mission. It's not just about us. It's not just about now that we're saved in this position we have with God. But it's about us being on mission as Jesus' desire and his mission in earth was to come, Luke 19.10, to seek and save the lost. And so my question to you is if are, are you on Jesus's mission or are you on your own mission are you just in a position where you're just excited about yourself but you're not in a place where you're impacting anyone else and so you might be saying what is this that you're talking about why is it that I should be on mission for God well well this is the you, you've already heard me talk about it but I want to extend to you and talk to you about the good news today fact of the matter is that over 2,000 years ago that God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ why did God come and put on a body why because you and I are humans and we messed it up and God says I'm not going to leave you stranded but I'm going to come and embody who you are and don't tell me it's impossible for God to do that why would God do that God is everywhere God no with God there's no thing that's impossible and he put on flesh and he lived perfectly because you and I messed it up. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God. And it's hereditary sin and separation from God has been passed on from generation to generation. And the beautiful thing is that even though this is the case, that God didn't leave us stranded. He came in our place, lived perfect because he wants relationship with you. He wants relationship with me. He died in our place. He took our penalty. And he rose, because he's God, this is a beautiful thing. He, he rose from death with all power so that you and I, that we would have a chance now to respond to this love by putting trust and faith in him. And so now you who are watching, you have the chance and you have the opportunity to respond to this good news. He loves you so much. He's not dying to meet you. He died to meet you. And today he extends his love and all you have to do is say yes to respond to him 
by putting your faith in him, saying yes to him and accepting what it is, putting trust in what it is that he has done for you. And so in this moment, right where you are, right where you are, I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to make a decision, especially in this time of darkness. God's love is here for you. And I want to extend to you the opportunity to put trust and faith in my God. Your life will never be the same. Watch this. Not even death will be the end for you. You get to be with him for eternity. And so if this person is you and you're like, oh yeah, this is my choice. This is me. I'm making this decision. Right where you are in your living room, in your bedroom, come on, in your kitchen, wherever you're watching on your phone, in your car, wherever you're at. I want you right now to just go ahead and close your eyes bow your head if that person is you I, I want you right where you are on the count of three if you're saying that's my decision today I'm putting my trust in Christ you may have even put trust in him a while ago and the cares of life have caused you to go away and today you're like this is my day to come back home if that person is you you're like I'm coming back home here on the count of three I want you to pop that hand up real high I want you to pop that hand up real high here it is one two three come on pop that hand up where you are just God sees your hand come on and I see it in the spirit I see those hands raising right where you are God bless you for that decision and I want you now we're gonna make a prayer of commitment and this prayer of commitment is not the saving prayer you've already been saved Jesus has saved you if you've made that decision in your heart but this is a prayer of commitment to seal the deal so that out of your mouth you can confess Jesus is Lord. The Bible says that God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He says in Romans 10 and 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That you would be saved. And so here I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Right there and mean it with all your heart. Say God I believe that you sent Jesus. 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 Thank you for dying on my behalf and rising from death with all power. Come into my heart and my life. Be with me now and forevermore. And I thank you for doing it right now. Forgive me of my sins and make me new. In Jesus' mighty name amen come on right where you are you ought to be excited come on i see you in the spirit i see you there in your living room come on clap those hands where you are that's a reason to celebrate we are celebrating with you glory to god glory to god thank you jesus for saving my brother thank you jesus for saving my sister thank you jesus for calling them home glory to god and so we're excited about you and this decision that you have made and i just want to welcome you to the family of god and I'm excited about what God is going to do in your life. And for those of you who are watching, who are Christians, and you're in a position where you're struggling to be a witness, I pray God for my brother, for my sister in Christ. Help your agenda to become their agenda. Help your desire to become their desire. Lord God, empower them and not only empower them, but switch their minds, Lord, to where they are desirous and focused on telling others about you. As opposed to being in a position, Lord God, where they're just concerned about themselves. Help them to work out their salvation and bear the fruit as they abide in you that you have called them to. And I thank you that even during this COVID-19 season, that breakthrough is going to happen on a massive scale. And salvation because of the good works that you're going to do through my brothers and my sisters. And I'm glad I get to be a part of that too. In Jesus' mighty name, let everyone say, Amen.